Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. And it is that time of the week where we ask the questions about things that you only do once or twice in your life. And this week it is how to get a mortgage. I'm joined by Carl Dieter, director of Yes.ie. Carl, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me along. So, uh, it's not the simplest thing in the world. I've done it once. I'm attempting maybe to do it again. How do you get a mortgage? Tell us all. Tell us uh, all yeah, we need okay. to know. So yeah, I, I can do it as a soliloquy if you want. It. Yes, go for it. <laughs> yeah. So look, it's not brain surgery. There's mostly we're talking about a financial thing, so it's going to be mostly financial. There are some non-financial things like health considerations if you're trying to buy a house too, um, that can play into it. So if you look at the the first thing, say you've you've started looking on the internet. So I'm going to assume that. Today, we're just talking about someone who's never done this before and they're thinking, I want to get a home. Uh, for first-time buyers from January, you'll be able to get four times your income. And that's something that in the past had held people back because they had to get special treatment to get four times income. And so this might open up an opportunity for them. Equally, prices could get beyond them. We don't know, but I'm just saying that there is this new change in the market that's coming. So if you earn 40 grand in a year, <laughs> say for, you earn 40 grand, you can get four, eight, twelve, six, hundred and sixty thousand. Yeah, w- w- would be under the central bank rules. Now, okay. you can still look to extend those within very strict limits. So... Uh, what you need to do is first of all find out what you can afford. Most people have some idea of where they'd like to live and then there's where you can actually afford to live. Uh, some people can afford to live anywhere and, and for them that's great, you know, lovely. Mm-hmm. But for most of us we're constrained by, you know, our budget. So figuring that out, uh, whether you get your advice from a mortgage broker or an accountant or advisor or online calculators, you need to come to some conclusion about that and, and have an idea. Do you think it's better to get the cheapest house in an area that you want to live in but is too expensive or uh, an, a house where you don't want to live that's, mo- that's more expensive? Location or so, price? Okay, so I, I suppose... But what what I can tell you, I think you should do, and I didn't do this myself, is get the place that you like the most within your budget. And that can mean, you know, living somewhere that isn't the exact location you want to live, but the nearest town to it or that has a close like road link or transport link or something. Uh, Equally, if you were really money conscious, you could choose to live, you know, if you're able to work remote now, you could choose to live in the beautiful countryside of you know, somewhere that you're not from. Mm-hmm. I, I hate saying Leitrim because it seems like I'm having a go. Leitrim is actually a really great county, great fishing, lovely people. But the the whole thing is, y- you got to think about this kind of stuff. Figure out what your budget is. Then you've got to say to yourself, well, here's what I can borrow and you need to have a deposit of at least 10% as a first-time buyer. And, uh, and you've got to factor that in too. Some lenders, if you're getting family help, for instance, uh, won't let you get a full deposit from family help. Family help is really incredibly common. Uh, others will say, look, that's fine. Sorry, so, why won't the lender allow you to have So the, the likes family? of permanent TSB would have an issue with people having full deposits gifted to them because they want to see that the person has a savings habit. Whereas the likes of Finance right, Ireland, okay. who's another lender, say, look, if that's the way it goes, that's fine. Also, if you're buying a new home, make sure you register on help to buy and know what you can get from them before you even begin this process. Very straightforward, all done online, and that can also be a a good assistance and a way to actually help you get a deposit for a house. There's also things like the shared equity scheme. If you're doing secondhand properties, there's the, uh, you know, renovation scheme for some of those uh, around the country. And then when you figured out what you can afford, you figured out your deposit, then you've got to start looking at where are the deals. 
Uh, I my bias is brokerage because that's where I come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the bias exists for a strong reason because if you walk into uh, well, Avant who sponsors the show, I was about to say, not a good example. They only deal with brokers. But say you walk into one of the state banks, or state, pillar banks, I should say, and they tell you what rates they have. They can't tell you about the one down the road that has a better deal, whereas a broker can. So I always think that in the, uh, impartial advice is the best way to go. And then you can figure out where the best deal is there. Uh, you've got to then think, for instance, about things like health, which is something that catches a lot of people, actually. Because under the Consumer Credit Act, uh, Section 126, as I recall, there's you have to have life insurance with a mortgage unless you fit one of three broad criteria. One is that you're above the age of 50. Two is that it's an investment property. Uh, three is if you've been either deferred or refused life insurance, which if you're buying a home for yourself, it's not an investment property. You could be over 50. People buy houses for the first time at all different ages. Uh, but getting refused, for instance, say you might have diabetes or had a heart attack last year or anything. There's all sorts of things can can be happening. They can all cause complexity for you. So, Do they cause just complexity or they can stop you getting a Oh, mortgage? no, they can stop it dead. So, I mean, this, oh, wow. this is a thing that does happen. It's not... And, and in particular, um, during COVID, it was kind of a, an issue that we saw some more because... We really didn't know how that disease was playing out with people. There was a lot of uncertainty. If you just had it, you know, would they offer you life insurance because people weren't sure, like, would this mean that three months later something was wrong with you, etc. Um, so that's that's a very real thing as well. So within the financial scope of what we're looking at, okay, you're, you're not really, no one wants a mortgage. I mean, no one in this world actually wants a mortgage. Nobody wants debt. If you could, you just have Buy a house. house yeah. You want the house. But the financial piece that we are talking about, one Get into the schemes if you're using a scheme like Help to Buy. Two, find out what you can borrow and get some advice. Three, make sure that advice is impartial, would be my preference. Four, think about how you're going to fund the difference between what you can borrow and what the purchase price is. Five, don't forget, there's other costs. You're going to have to pay a lawyer or a solicitor. You're going to have to pay for, for things like uh, life insurance, house insurance. Yeah. Think about, you know, do I have any health considerations that I need to think about because whoever you're going to for a mortgage, I mean, they don't, like, unless you've got some obvious thing that has happened, they're not going to know what your health is like. They don't know, like, how do you spot a diabetic? I don't know. I, but like, you have to declare it. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to declare it when you're going for the mortgage, but when you're going for the life insurance, you do. Okay. So, you know, that that, that is something. And, and there, there are, look, there are people who in the past have done things like not declare their true health. The same as there's people who had penalty points and didn't say to the insurer when they're getting car insurance. Um, that's not a path to go down. I mean, apart from the dishonesty aspect of it, if there actually was a claim, the the life insurance company can, you can get to, your details and then refuse it. If you have life insurance, do you have to update it? Like we have a text here from a listener that says, we've been approved for a mortgage and the loan offer has been extended, but now we're pregnant. Do we tell the broker and the bank? So okay. If something so, changes. So if... if if you become pregnant while you have an approval, there isn't a requirement for disclosure because pregnancy is not actually like a, a health. Yes. Can, like it's, you know, I'm, I'm I'm told it can hurt like hell towards the end, but uh, but it's not it's not an illness in the traditional sense. It's a great thing. Uh, so no, you don't have to declare that. Uh, this said, if it was a case that you know you'd gone for a loan offer and then someone goes on maternity leave and then they look for your income 
verification when you're about to draw down the loan. That kind of thing can cause issues. Again, if you're talking to a broker, they'll advise you best on what to do. If you're talking to your advisor, they'll direct you on, on what's the best way to deal with things. Uh, we have some more texts from people. Uh, we are first time buyers. We were given a purchase price and have a mortgage for that amount. But the kitchen has to be put in and we were told the cost will be thrown in at the end. No option to pay ourselves. Surely this means we have to go back to the bank and look for a new amount. So will this cause delays and is this standards? Do banks normally have any issues with this? Uh, I haven't actually heard of that before. So they bought a house without a kitchen? It seems to be like they're buying a new house and the kitchen is going to be put in at the end and the cost is going to increase I, I don't really know yeah okay well look I mean there's always new things happening that doesn't sound um, like normal behaviour equally if someone is saying oh we'll throw the kitchen in at the end I mean I, <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to deal with someone who, who was who was doing that but look let's just say that you are you're committed and you're in the contract etc you, know, you must have the ability to do the kitchen yourself it might be a case that it unhinges your mortgage. I don't know where their approval is versus okay. what this does. Uh, you might end up having to come up with some other plan uh, in order to finance that piece. Our help to buy will expire at the end of this month, but the house won't be ready until mid next year. So we'll have to reapply for the help to buy. Will this take long time or will it be smooth enough as we already had approval? It's just, it's just there's a queue and the queue is the queue and you'll be in it. And there hasn't been like mass reports of help to buy being a disaster so it'll be fine it, it look help to buy really is an extension of almost a revenue like service which it feeds off really and and that's actually the most efficient thing in this country i mean you could go to a hospital and wait two days to be seen you can pay your taxes in the blink of an eye so it tends to be a quick service. Okay. We have two on the question of health, which you just brought up. My future daughter-in-law had mortgage approval, but she can't get life insurance due to the fact that she had breast cancer five years ago, but now she's cancer-free. What can she do? Okay. So that's a really good example. And that's exactly the kind of thing I was referring to earlier. So anytime you have cancer, and this is not, by the way, a golden rule. This is just I'm speaking in generalities. Typically, they will want to see a five-year window post your kind of cancer-free status. Mm -hmm. So when that was five years ago when she got it, she might have gone through a year of radiation or chemo, depending on what type you have, there's different treatments. Um, So you'd have to be five years after that again until a life insurance company will look at you. Now, let's just say that you're only two years, all right? So we'll look at a scenario where it's, it's not that long. Are you applying for the loan by yourself or with another person? Because sometimes if you're applying with two people, They'll say, look, as long as you have life one covered, uh, we can look at doing that loan. You will fall between the cracks of the Consumer Credit Act requirement to have life insurance. So what you've got to do is say to them, look, you know, we can prove a, you know, maybe if you loan to value or the deposit you put down is bigger, or maybe if uh, the, the first person who was cancer free or whoever it was, was the higher earner. You can put forward to the bank that like, we still want to go for this and, and this is our plan. Will you authorize it? The bank can say yes. If they do, wonderful. But they can also say no. Right, okay. And that's where that I was saying earlier that your health situation can actually unhinge it. So what you don't want to do is go down the road and sign a contract for a mortgage approval, which is fine, knowing that you have this health consideration in the background that needs to be looked at. That said, if you've had cancer, you know, you're very aware of it, you're very aware of the life insurance piece, this should be something that's on your radar early on. Uh, someone else has said, could you ask Carl how lenders view people who are HIV positive? 
So uh, it used to be a big concern. Like when I started in the industry, certainly if you were born in sub-Saharan Africa where HIV rates could be, you know, 25% of adult population, they had big concerns around that. Um, HIV is no longer what it used to be. I had a cousin who got, mm-hmm. got AIDS in the 1980s, died horrible. Since then, there's been so many therapeutics, so many advancements. Now, if you're very recently diagnosed, they might want to see that your your the therapies that you're taking have your kind of T cells in a it, or or the there's, they do these like antibody tests. I can't remember yes, all the, 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 the word well around the it, but to see that that it's working for you. Yeah. And if it is, you 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 pretty much lead a normal life. And then and, it's not and a you can get life cover. Yeah. Um, can we talk about second time buyers for those people who want to uh, maybe what's the word? trade up where they you say have a house how different is the process to get a mortgage when you have a mortgage okay second time buyers typically uh, cannot can borrow less so your first time they let you kind of borrow reach as high times. as you can yeah. four times income 90% of the, the value of the home second time is three and a half times income and 80% of the value of the home so you can't borrow as much on a on a wage multiple, although by the time you're doing this, you normally have a higher income because people's incomes tend to rise over time. Okay. So, you know, it, it it's in some ways it kind of plays itself out. Uh, you are also, though, typically buying a more expensive house. So as much as you gain, you can lose. It's, yeah, yeah. it's always a tricky thing, this, this whole house buying thing in that sense. Um, and you also can't borrow the 90%. So what people find themselves is one of two situations. They're either doing okay financially, and there's a lot of people that are, which is great, and the economy has been quite good, and they might hold on to their first house, rent it out, it turns into, you know, a future mm-hmm. uh, income stream for them, a future asset for them, and they, and they buy a second house. If you're not in that camp, you're going to have to sell the house that you might call home now, or accidental landlords would also be a very common thing where someone bought a house years ago, they actually moved out and rent now. And their original home is rented out, but now they're in a position to buy a house or they need to sell their house to get the deposit to buy a house. So one way or another, you've got to look at how are you going to do this process? Um, Again, the advice is critical at this point. You'll need to uh, get your own house listed for sale. Uh, you will need to then go sale agreed somewhere else, your house be sale agreed. And then basically what you do is you do a double close on the same day. So you sell your own house, you buy the new house. And, and enjoy that whole process, which, although it's meant to, you know, work like clockwork, very rarely does. And off you go and get back into debt. So you're in a kind of a chain of sale. Do the bank take into account the value? So say if your house was worth, let's say, 300 grand, now it's worth 400 grand, but there's a mortgage still on it. Like, do they take into consideration that you have more money in in the asset? The loan to value. No, so look, this is a common a common um, misconception. Let's just say that I owned the actual Taj Mahal. Okay, and I'd no mortgage on it. Right, thing is a price you can't put anything on. But I'm such a a, a bad money manager that like you know I close it down. No one comes for tourism, and I can't prove that if I was to borrow a hundred thousand against it that I could repay the loan. Okay, then you can't actually get a mortgage against it. The entire thesis of lending is that it's secured lending. It's not secured uh, as in you just offer up security and it's done. There are loans like that in the USA called hard money loans that you just get the get the loan because you have an asset. In Ireland, it's secured lending. In other words, this is a loan that is secured against a property, unlike a loan that is secured, say, against nothing like a credit union loan. 
Um, and that means that they will only move to take the security or the property if you don't repay the loan. But it is a loan that you have to repay. And so the repayment capacity is absolutely core to getting the mortgage in the first place. You've got to prove that you can repay whatever you're borrowing. And if that is, if you're a very high earner and that's a million or two million or you're a low earner and that's a hundred thousand, the rules are the same. It goes through the same calculations, the same metrics. It is complete equality in underwriting sense that you've got to show that you can repay the loan. If you can't, we don't care what your asset is, don't care what your income is, out the back door. If you can, great, let's proceed. So if we, if so, then you'd have to sell the house to show that you have the four hundred grand in the bank, and then you could repay a loan. You, you may, but but again, like in your example, say you bought for three hundred thousand, you were paying it off for a while, you owe two hundred, it's worth four hundred. Now you've got two hundred thousand equity in there, mm-hmm. but you might say to yourself, "Wow, that property would actually rent for, you know, two grand a month, and the mortgage on it is like, you know, grand or a, a thousand. Well, you might say to yourself, "Is there a way I can hold on to that?" And if you happen to have a deposit or savings or you'd been made redundant or someone died and left you money or you were just, you, you know, invested or did one of the many things people do to, to increase the wealth in their life, you might be able to go to the next one and hold both properties or you might have to sell. And if you have to sell, you get back to that idea of selling your house, buying the new house or the other idea, which I said, is which you hold one and you simply buy another one. How do banks look at people who have secure but not permanent jobs? Okay, so there's a group of people who never have it as easy as, say, someone who works for the state or works in like a really predictable job. That would be self-employed. Um, that would be people who are contractors. So uh, those who are in that space... Let's take someone who's self-employed. You'll need to have at least two years of accounts filed. And they'll look at whatever you're saying you pay your taxes on as your income. Mm-hmm. So typically they take an average of like the last three years. So if you had, say, a good year, a bad year, and a spectacular year, they'll add the three of them together, divide by three, and say that's roughly your average. If it's a case that you're a contractor, once you've had a contract for more than a year, and it, like IT contractors is a common thing because someone like worked in IT for four years, then got a contract for a year. They'll normally just look at you as if that's your stable employment. Um, if, for instance, you're in a job where you'll have income that isn't real readily visible. So let's just say you work in the radio and you make 50,000 a year. They're easy to understand. Multiply by three and a half, multiply by four. But say you're a salesperson who works in, I don't know, selling widgets. And some years you make an extra 20000 in income and another year you made nothing. Mm-hmm. They want to see a consistency of commissions or of bonus or of overtime. And that doesn't matter whether you're a guard, a nurse, sales, you know, a project manager, any, anything where there's additional income above the basic, they need to see a record of it. So that's the other thing. And I suppose looking towards some of the, the final ideas is when you're doing this, Try to make your life simple. So some we see people come in and they've got like eight different accounts thinking that they're being so smart because they've got an account for the bills, an account for the rent, an account for, you know, yeah. and then they've got their Revolut and their N26 and everything else. That just co- makes everything complicated because this is really trying to get to know a person financially by looking at bits of paper and then go through what I call the Tinder-style process of a quick decision okay. that results in marriage, which is this 25-year mortgage. Right. And, and that's, it's hard to do. So look, just try to make it something that someone else can understand as well. Try to make your financial Tinder profile as attractive as possible. There you go. If people want more information, they can find Carl on yes.ie. Thank you so much, Carl. 
Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.